Being a Better Man, Episode 35, The Power of Life and Death. You have just entered a world governed by personal accountability, where being a man is not an excuse for bad behavior, where complaints are not allowed, whining is forbidden, and excuses do not exist. Join us as we focus on the actual character of men rather than merely the trappings of manhood. Well, hold it. We're not doing that today. Today is story time. That's right, folks. Instead of the regularly scheduled podcast, I've decided to squeak in something extra in between. Story time with Alf. These stories are relevant to the mission here at Being a Better Man, because in every story, even though these are my stories, there is some lesson, example, or other nugget that you might be able to apply to your life, or it might remind you of your own similar story. Either way, you should be entertained. So, at the end of each story, I will talk briefly about what the lesson learned was, the moral of the story, in other words. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. I was seven years old in 1969, and all my dreams had come true. My family had moved to Olympia, Washington, and we were finally living on a little farm. I'd always wanted to live on a farm. I dreamed about it, and now here we were. We had some cows, a couple pigs, a big garden, and quite a few chickens. In addition to that, we had our own woods and pastures that me and my imagination would get lost in for hours. I had a younger brother and sister, but they weren't much fun yet because they were still so young. So I spent a lot of time on my own. Imagining I was an Indian in the forest or a cowboy, the barn became my pirate ship, and I had a lot of thrilling adventures, and I found lots of buried treasures. Another thing I would pretend is that I was a big game hunter. In order to facilitate this, in my mind, the chickens became exotic antelope or ostrich, even tigers or lions. The chickens were very versatile. I could change them into anything I wanted. The bales of hay were held together by baling twine, and we had lots of it laying around from the hay we used. I would collect a long piece of it by tying the ends together until I had enough. Then I would fashion a slip knot in one end, something my dad taught me how to do, but not for this reason. I would spread the knot out so it made a loop on the ground, just like in the cartoons, and I would sprinkle some chicken food in the loop for bait and lay on my stomach about 20 feet away with the other end of the twine, waiting for my prey. When a chicken stepped in the loop, I could pull the twine and the slip knot would tighten around its leg. Then I would reel my prey in while it clucked and fussed. Then I'd untie it, study it for a minute, and then let it go and repeat the whole process all over again. It was really great fun. The king of the chickens was a huge white rooster. He was mean, too. You always had to keep your eye on him because he was known to attack without provocation. One day I was out trapping chickens and letting them go, when who should step into my trap but the big white rooster? I wasn't sure what to do at first. I was kind of afraid of him. In my mind, he was kind of like a big, mean rhinoceros. I decided if I trapped him... That would be my finest, bravest moment, and it might teach him who was boss, and maybe he wouldn't be so mean. 
So after I convinced myself of this, I pulled on the twine, the knot tightened around his leg, and then the whole world went crazy. It startled the rooster so bad that he flew up into the air. Now I'm holding on to the twine like I have a kite in a strong wind. The rooster is screaming and flapping and trying to get away with such ferocity that I was unable to reel him in to release him. It was all I could do just to hang on to the twine. After a couple minutes of this complete chaos, the rooster settled back down to earth. I ran up to him. He was just sitting there. I quickly picked him up and undid the twine from his foot, but he wasn't doing anything. He was just sitting there in my arms. Then he let out a few weak clucks and just collapsed right there in my arms. I'll never forget the way his head swung back and forth like a pendulum attached to his limp neck. The once great and mighty king of the chickens was dead. He died of a heart attack at my own hand. I had seen dead things before. Animals we slaughtered, the dead robin when I was five, all manner of snakes and roadkill, but I had never killed anything before. Slowly the realization of what I had done crept into my seven-year-old consciousness. Then came the grief of my actions and the guilt, guilt like I had never imagined. I expected lightning from the sky to strike me dead at any second and purge my evilness from the face of the earth. I lay the rooster down and ran to that one constant source of comfort in my life, my mom. I busted in the house crying and screaming, I killed a living thing, I killed a living thing. That isn't something you really want to hear your seven-year-old screaming. So my mom spent a few minutes calming me down enough so she could understand what I was saying, and I explained everything to her. She calmly listened, and then she told me she knew I didn't mean to kill the rooster. It was an accident. But it was an accident that could have been prevented if I would have not been trapping chickens. She told me she thought I should find a good place to bury the rooster and that it would be my job to do it and give him a funeral. I spent the next hour crying, wandering around in my grief, looking for the perfect spot to bury the rooster. I picked a place by the barn. I dug an adequate hole, and then I picked a bouquet of dandelions, my face now muddy with tears. I conducted the funeral, like my mother said. In attendance were my brother and sister and my dog. I don't remember exactly how the eulogy went, but it was pretty long and heartfelt. I talked about what a great rooster he was and how big and strong and pretty he was. I talked about how he could crow like better than any other rooster and about that I was sorry he was dead. I also talked about all the hens that would miss him and mainly I just told the rooster and the universe that was listening that I didn't mean it, that I was sorry, and I truly was. That's the end of the story, but what is the lesson I learned here? Well, it turned out to be a pretty profound day for me. I learned what a fragile balance exists between life and death, and I became aware for the first time what my responsibility was to the creatures around me. The knowledge that I was capable of taking a life instantly filled me with a sense of responsibility and care that I had not possessed before, but that I carried with me into my manhood. Another lesson I learned was about consequences, and that there is a consequence for everything we do, both good and bad. 
Unfortunately, I kept on learning that lesson over and over again as I grew up, but I eventually got it. Sometimes it takes a lot of lessons to learn something. Well, thanks for listening today. I appreciate every one of you out there. Now go out into your day, but remember the responsibility you have to everyone and everything around you, and be a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad, signing out.